What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. And we're now on YouTube! So if you or someone you know prefers to listen to shows on YouTube, please recommend them Found Bites GRS on YouTube. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Eldorand is the game for this week's episode. Eldorand is a 2D Metroidvania action RPG. Definitely a lot of similarities with games we've talked about like Death's Gambit, Grime, Morbid, as well as Salt and Sanctuary and Blasphemous. The game was originally released in February of 2023 on PC and Switch. And in about a week from publishing, this game will come out on iOS and Android. And Xbox and PlayStation ports have been confirmed, but we don't have a date yet. So depending on when you're listening to this, it may already be out on those platforms. But currently, as of publishing, it is not on Xbox and PlayStation. The game was developed by Mantra Games, which is a small Brazil team. A little tough finding out about this studio. I heard a lot about Synergia Games, which is like another studio that I think came and helped out. But Mantra is kind of the main developer here, and it's a really small team from Brazil. Again, shout out to Brazil. The game was published by Graffiti Games, and they're known for publishing small games, such as Blue Fire and Turnip Boy. The game has a physical release that is eminent for release. It's actually currently still taking in pre-orders, and that is for a release on Switch. It is a standard release, but the box comes with uh, an original soundtrack code and stickers, uh, and that's available for pre-order at all retailers right now. The game was launched with an MSRP of $19.99 on console and PC. On mobile, it's being released at $6.99, and that physical release is released at $34.99, so if you want that pre-order, jump on that $34.99. Runtime of the game if you're just running straight through, not trying to get too much of the extras, although it's a little tough to discern, uh, it should take you about six hours. But if you're really doing a lot of exploring, seeing everything that this game has to offer, it could take you over 10, maybe closer to 15 hours. Me, I got this on Switch on sale for $13.39. And I've put in probably around four hours. I am really exploring, so I am, as far as I know, I'm not close to beating the story. In terms of recommendation, no one really recommended this game. I kind of just saw it on sale on Switch. And what was really intriguing, besides like the visuals, like obviously I'm a big a Souls-like fan, definitely see a lot of Death's Gambit and Grime in this game. Visually more Death's Gambit. But what really intrigued me about this game is that it wasn't on PlayStation, and that's normally where I play games like this. But I was really into trying it on Switch as kind of like my exclusive Switch 
uh, Souls-like 2D game. So that was really the motivation for me getting it. And again, I was digging the visuals, reminding me of Death's Gambit. Let's talk gameplay for Eldorand. So this is a pretty standard 2D action game. I talked about it being Metroidvania or Souls-like, um, and it definitely has elements of that. So Souls-like in the combat and the customization and the scaling, and Metroidvania kind of in the travel and the progress. Uh, you'll definitely find yourself doing a lot of backtracking. But let's start with the basics. So it's a 2D game, so you move side to side in a 2 dimensional plane. There is some platforming, so you're jumping up to platforms, you can jump down through platforms, although it is a bit confusing sometimes because sometimes it'll look like you could jump down through, but you actually can't. So this varies and you'll have to kind of do some trial and error here. You do have a dash or a dodge button, and it's very similar to Bloodborne in that if you hit the dash button and you don't choose a direction, your character is automatically going to go backwards, but you can dash forward. But what's really interesting is, and annoying at sometimes, is that you can't actually dodge through or dash through enemies. So it's really just to kind of get out of the way or move faster. You'll have a weapon attack. You can equip two weapons and you can swap between sets. Um, and that is going to be like a full equipment swap. You can block with a shield if you have it equipped. And you can only have it equipped if you're not equipping like a two-handed weapon, like a bow or like uh, twin daggers or stuff like that. You'll have throwables, and there'll be a button to use that throwable, but you can equip different ones. And then you'll have two potion slots that can hold up to three potions. They sort of get populated with whatever potions you have currently in your inventory. They kind of automatically populate there. Now let's talk about your character. So I do like about this game that it's very simple and streamlined. So you only have four stats. And their strength, vitality, dex, and wisdom. And all of them start at 5. And anytime you level up, you can just add a point to any of those stats. And you level up by just killing enemies, killing bosses. Um, there's a meter in the top left that is slowly kind of populating. And when that goes all the way up, you'll level up and you'll get back to full health, which is nice. And you can put a point in any of those four stats. The weapons that you'll get, like I said, sometimes you'll have weapons that are single hand, some are two-handed, and if they're two-handed you can't equip a shield, but if they're single you can. The weapons that you get are going to have a varied range of melee. Uh, some will be like really close, like the twin daggers are really close, uh, but some of the bigger swords will have more of a reach. But then you'll have things uh, like bows, or you'll have things that have projectiles. Uh, there are also magic weapons that scale with the wisdom. And a lot of these you're going to get as boss rewards. Sometimes you might find them in chests as you're exploring, but also you can buy them at shops. And there's not a ton of weapons, but I like that there's a nice variety, uh, especially with the scaling, because you'll have a couple that might scale with strength, a, a couple that might scale with dex, a couple that might scale with wisdom. Um, so I do like the variety, but it's not overwhelming, at, like throwing you 30 different weapons. Some of these weapons will also have status effects, like poison or bleed, and they're pretty standard, just you know what you might think they are, like poison, it's going to you know slowly tick away enemy health. Bleed, like if you keep hitting, it'll have like a big... 
uh, health burst from the enemy, and you can also undergo these status effects as well. You'll have one slot for armor, which I think is very nice, very simplified, streamlined. Uh, you're not like finding boots or finding a helmet or anything like that. It's just like you have one armor, and these will have just a basic benefit of higher defense, so uh, lower physical damage for what you're taking. And then you'll have two slots for accessories, and these are primarily going to be rings that you find. And these have a wide variety of cool passive bonuses. Like some are just simple, like stat boosts, like plus two to vitality or plus three to dex or something like that. But some of them have pretty cool passive abilities. I just found one that like when you dodge, it puts a saw on the ground that stays there for a little bit. And any enemy that runs into it is going to take damage. You will be upgrading weapons. I'm a little hazy on this. It does require you finding components, but it's not just like weapon upgrade components, like one thing. Each weapon is going to have like different requirements. Like, oh, that dagger that has poison is going to require like two uh, snake tails and like three of the iron ingots or whatever. So the thing that's a little frustrating is it's not clear about where to farm some of these components. Uh, I don't know the frequency. Uh, for me, it was just kind of luck if I was going back to where the guy is who upgrades your weapons, if I had those materials or not. But nonetheless, you can upgrade your weapons and it'll increase the scaling for whatever stat that they scale with. And again, similar to Grime, what's really good is not only are there not that many weapons, but if you have a weapon that scales, it's only going to scale with one stat. So you're not going to get too complex with a lot of Elden Ring and Dark Souls stuff. Like it's just like this is a dex weapon, this is a strength weapon, this is a wisdom weapon. Let's talk about combat. So in terms of enemies, I really like the placement of enemies. I like the variety of enemies. A lot of reminiscent of the Mega Man games, like very intentional placement. Um, and if you run into enemies, you will get hit. Uh, some of them stand still, some of them move, some of them shoot projectiles straight, some of them lob projectiles, some of them come at you with melee attacks. I really think this is one of the best parts of this game, is the placement and variety of enemies. And it kind of simulates this direness, where like even if you're trying to run through from point to point on the map... Like, whenever you're going through an area, there are enemies, and you can try to skirt by them, and for a lot of the lower or beginning levels, like, you can, and it's fine, but when you once you get past a certain point, like, you're really going to have to either dodge very intentionally or jump very intentionally or engage enemies, but either way, it's going to be very tough to go through unscathed as you're running through. The combat itself is very fast-paced, very kinetic. When you go onto a certain screen, there might be a lot of enemies. There may be one enemy. So it's really changing it up with certain encounters. And again, some of these enemies might move very quickly, very slowly. A lot of them are going to be flying. Uh, there are ones that are going to spawn a lot of enemies, so you have to kill the pods. What's really interesting, especially with some of the pods, there's a lot of like the background scenery kind of coming to life. There are things that if you're walking by and it doesn't you know, move in that instance, you might not think that's an enemy. You might just think it's scenery. But then like if you get too close, like it might you know, reach out and try to get you or something like that. So I like sort of the surprise with seeing an enemy the first time that's kind of coming to life. And a lot of this is area-themed. So we'll talk about the visuals when we get to the vibe. But when it comes to like 
what the area is, like the forest or like the city ruins or something like that. The enemies, their mechanics are all really sort of engaged in what that theme is and they reflect it in how they deal damage to you and how they shoot projectiles. There are bosses in this game. I feel like some of them are field bosses, but the field bosses are just like really large kind of roaming things that are tough. But then when you get into an arena, there are named bosses like with a life bar. Either way, uh, these bosses are very large in scale. The frequency of them is not anything close to like Salt and Sanctuary or Blasphemous or anything like that. I've only been in this game for like four hours, like I said. I think I've only fought like two bosses and I think there's only like 10 or 12. Um, there's really not that much. And I don't mind that because the exploration, I also think, is where the game shines. But a lot of these bosses do have unique mechanics. Good challenge. Some of them took me, like, you know, maybe 10 tries. Some of them I got on, like, the third try. But when you die, you do have to run up to the boss. Sometimes it can be lengthy, but for the most part, it's not bad. And in terms of challenge and the pacing of that challenge, uh, again, I think the combat is very fast, dodge-heavy. But again, you can't go through enemies, so you have to figure out a way to either jump over enemies or dodge back when they're coming at you and then swipe. Again, the game and its enemies are very smart. The placement and the movement of them, you might find like, oh, somebody's shooting a projectile, like, okay, let me wait and then let me jump over them. But you're gonna find out that like the enemy is like kind of ready for you to jump over them, especially bosses. There is like some interesting AI or maybe it's just like the timing of the enemies and I'm not getting it, but always a challenge. And like I said, whether you're trying to combat enemies while you're exploring or trying to just pass through, you're gonna get hit. You're gonna get hit a lot in this game. If you're not like, a super Mega Man veteran who's used to like placement and like dodging through and getting through unscathed. I think most people are really going to get hit in this game and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's fine because you do have a lot of things in your arsenal. Like I said, you can swap sets. Do you have a lot of ranged options? There are throwables. Some of these throwables like shoot straight. Some of them like the axe. Like you'll get a lot of axes and you can like kind of lob them and they go up in a circle and then come down. And when it comes to your potions, you can only have three of each in each slot. And pretty much for the most part of the game, I think that the potions that you're going to get are either health or mana potions. There are some advanced ones that I saw in some shops, uh, not ones that I came across very frequently. But your potions max at three. And the thing about potions is you can go buy them in shops, but you're also going to find them a lot in the world, like when you break things and when you open chests. So they are available readily, but once you get three, like you can't hold anymore. Um, so there's this kind of like saving potions versus using potions dilemma that you're going to get into. And with the mana potions, if you're not using a weapon that scales with wisdom or is a magic weapon, you actually don't even need these. So it can get a little frustrating. Potions are piling up, but then you're getting hit a lot and you need to use them, but you want to save them because you don't know if a big enemy or a boss is coming up. So that can be something that has a little bit of tension in you. But let's talk about progressing through this game and sort of the locations that you'll go through. One thing as I'm playing through this game that is pretty obvious to me is that for the most part, I don't really know where to go. And maybe that's part of what we're supposed to do, which is just explore. I've been fine with that pretty much, just kind of explore different areas. It is a Metroidvania map, so when you look at the map, you know, something close to like Dandera, like you'll just have these boxes where the rooms are, and if a room has a door, it'll be open on one side as opposed to closed on the other sides. So you can look at the map at any time and say, okay, well, I haven't gone further there, so let me maybe check that out. I've been trying to pay attention to the story and the lore 
Um, but I'm just not really understanding what this world is and what I'm doing here and where I should be going. For the most part, that hasn't really bothered me because I've enjoyed exploring. It's pretty much just explore until you hit a wall and then find somewhere else to go. I think I've been making progress. I found this village um, where there are these people. That's where the guy who upgrades your weapons is. But when you do look at the map, there are points of interest on it. And so on the map, you'll see green squares, yellow squares, and red squares. Green squares are save points. And you can go there. You can rest. The shops are the yellow blocks. You can buy potions there or whatever weapons they have available. And then uh, the red blocks are interesting. They're just like random points of interest. They might be where an NPC is. There might be where you have to interact with something. Um, and sometimes when you interact with something, a boss comes out or you get a special item. At the save point, like I said, you can save. And when you go to the save point and hit the button to, I guess, sit, it's like a bonfire, uh, you do get full health. There are other options that are initially blacked out at the save point, And they are to fast travel and to change your attributes. So at this point, I did find the ability to fast travel. But again, what's interesting and kind of exposes this non-linearity in this game, which normally I'm fine with, but for something like fast travel, I feel like that should be a story element that comes in in the linear story that everyone kind of finds at a certain point. But I found that the ability to fast travel is just something I came upon. It was like an item and I just happened to find it and now I can fast travel. But I can see that if someone were playing this game and they did not find that fast travel thing, it would be very frustrating because even if you get above a certain level, if you have to progress all the way back to a certain place just to go somewhere and explore, um, you're going to be passing through a lot of enemy places. And again, you're going to get hit because of the enemy placement. So could be a source of frustration. But as you're going, there are a lot of logistic things that happen. So picking up things is passive. You just kind of walk over them. And the types of things that you'll pick up are like gold coins, which is the currency, potions that'll pop out of things. You'll pick up throwables. And you also pick up lore note. And a lot of these you're going to find in pots that you can break. And then also chests. And the chests you don't have to break. You just like walk over them and they'll open and bust out. Other things as you're progressing, just some simple platform puzzle tropes, timed switches, or you have to push blocks so that you can jump on them or get past because they're blocking something. In terms of accessibility, I did die a lot. Reloading and, you know, a run up to where you were. I felt a lot of frustration here, especially if I forgot to save when I passed a new save point because it doesn't auto save. You have to manually save save and if you don't when you try to load you're going to go all the way back the frequency of save points is a bit strange uh, sometimes you'll go long stretches sometimes they'll be pretty close together on the map what i do like is in the environment there are signs notifying you when you're close to something so if you're close to a save point like there'll be a sign at the end of the screen that's kind of indicating that it's on the next screen there are also signs that notify you when there's a shop nearby or a town or something like that um, so I do like sort of the environmental storytelling there. Let's talk about the vibe of Eldoran. So 
let's start with visuals. So it is pixelated and it has sort of this graininess that I don't think is a product of the pixelation. It's more like an art style. So it gives it an interesting texture. It is pixelated, but it's more detailed than like Death's Gambit or even Blasphemous. I really like the color in this game. And what's interesting is that at the very beginning, you get to customize your character with like their hair color. But really where the color shines is the different themed areas like the forest or the ruined city. The colors really pose this mood that's very specific to those areas. It's like each biome has its own tint to it. And you really feel it when you're there. Like when you're in the ruined city, it's like kind of this orange. And it makes you feel like the area is just like dry stone, like kind of crumbling. And you really get that vibe when you're there. And this is true for the fore and the background. I really think that the art style and the description and detail in what you're looking at, whether it's a building or whether you're in the forest and there are trees far away versus like the limb that you are currently on uh, in the foreground. I really like the detail in the environment and just some general details like when items pop out of a pot or a chest, they have the sheen over them. They have this outline and they're kind of flashy so that you know that it's like something that you can go pick up. The different weapons like as you're holding them, as you're using them are very detailed as well as your projectiles and enemy projectiles. I do feel like the hitboxes are very fair of both enemies and of you. In terms of audio, I, I think the music is fine. It definitely captures the feel of particular areas, but it doesn't really stand out. And I don't know if that's the actual music or more like a volume thing. Like, I just didn't really hear it that much. It wasn't protruding. I tried to turn it up a little bit, but I, I just found that I was too engrossed in the gameplay and it just wasn't punching. But it does, in some of its uh, tracks, uh, really give some reminiscent of like uh, Castlevania type thing. Like there is some that's like rock, some that's more just kind of low and basic, uh, just like ominous. But the sound effects are really good. You know, when enemies are close, the noises that they make, like there are different bees or, or bugs that are flying around and when they get close, like you're looking around like where is it I can hear it it's getting close as well as projectiles like when things are shot when you land attacks it's really helpful and the enemy I think like flashes red when it's getting hit using potions you're drinking the potion like you can hear the bubbling as well as when you die your character lets out almost like this cringy anime like Ooh. it's fine but it's just it always made me laugh and in terms of setting story themes it is a bit fantasy medieval I, I guess, but you are running through the forest sometimes. There's not much that I can really discern. Maybe I'm not digging too deep, but I'm not seeing really anything on the surface that's consistent. And couple that with not really knowing what to do or who I am as a character. Uh, I'm not really sure what the goal of the game is or the goal of the protagonist. It's something that is a bit lacking that I wish was there more. As well as some of the lore. Like I said, some things that you pick up are like these notes and I would read them right away and I was just reading through and I'm like, you know, this tells me something about a world, but I don't know if that's this world and I'm not seeing the connection. And some of these are just like, I didn't feel like reading it. I don't know if there were really any names in there. I think maybe, but nothing memorable because I don't even know what my name is. Altogether, when it comes to the story and the lore, it just feels a bit disjointed. And the characters in this game, like I said, I don't really know my name. Uh, some of the shopkeepers are pretty general. The upgrade guy, apparently he has a side quest. Again, it's not something that I saw anywhere or knew where to look for but I kind of looked it up at a certain point because I randomly went back to where he was and he was like, oh, if only I had my hammer, I could, you know, upgrade weapons. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to find this guy's hammer. And I just kind of looked up where it was and got it back to him and all of a sudden I could upgrade weapons. 
I just think in general with some of these characters and the lore, there's just not enough consistency for me to be invested and also for me to see themes. You know, we've talked about games that have themes in the characters that also coincide with visual themes, and it's just not something that I really saw in in all of this. It really left me wanting that, but unfortunately it just kind of wasn't really there. let's wrap up the conversation about Eldorand. This is an interesting game. I do feel at times a bit aimless in terms of where to go. Again, it might be there, it might require some digging or really paying attention to dialogue, but I'm just not seeing it. As well as the story in general and the lore and the characters that I come across, I'm just not seeing them pop or or really establish themselves as important or memorable. But I will say, I really do enjoy the combat in this game. I like the different weapons. I like that there's not that many, but enough that you can choose, I'm going to go with a strength build or a dex build or something like that. And I do like weapon scaling, and I do like when it's simple. I think Grime is a game that does that really well, and I do like how it's done here. I also love the accessories. I really feel like there are a good variety of accessories. I don't even really have that much, but I was really excited when I got uh, the one saw blade that appears when you dash. I was like, that's really cool. Something I'm definitely going to use on both of my uh, weapon sets. And I like that you get different projectiles. I feel like there's room for customization if you want to go the wisdom build or the dex build or something like that. Exploration in this game, I think it's pretty much how you're going to go through. You're just going to blindly go in certain directions. And what's really nice though is that it's not overwhelming. It is a Metroidvania map. It's a bit more modern in that it's smaller, certain areas don't have that many blocks or rooms or screens, and so I don't think you're really gonna get lost. You'll definitely know when you're in a new area, but again, it's really not that big. It's super manageable, and I think even more manageable than games like Salt and Sanctuary and and Death's Gambit. I do enjoy just going and exploring in this game, but there is always that threat of getting hit by enemies, not having enough potions, dying and respawning, and you have to redo everything because you forgot to save or there wasn't a save point. It can be kind of a give and take here with this game. In terms of value. I think $20 is fine. It's on par with games in this genre. I don't think I would pay more than $15. And in all honesty, if it is on sale, I would even look for it under $10. Especially in this genre, I do think there are better Metroidvania Souls-like games. You know, we certainly talked about Death's Gambit, Blasphemous, Salt and Sanctuary. They have more depth in terms of story and in terms of gameplay, but that might not be what you're looking for. You might be looking for something a little little more simplistic. And again, I do like the combat. I think this is a nice pick-up-and-play game, especially on the Switch. I really do like it on the Switch. I think it works great docked and undocked. I like that it's an exclusive for now. It's supposed to come to Xbox and PlayStation, but we'll see. Not a bad game and definitely something that I think I would recommend. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.